0: if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to start from just one simple verse, one simple verse. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, on Monday, I did something that I hadn't had the opportunity, opportunity to do um, much because it's just been out of season, but Monday was a very pretty day, and so I took the, the time to kind of shift my my. Uh, working hours a little bit. I went up to Table Rock and I hiked Table Rock on Monday. I'm a hiker. I love to hike. I went and hiked Table Rock and um, leave it to the Lord to make that quite the experience, Um, uh, especially being the fact that Table Rock is not that easy of a hike. Uh, So uh, my friend, some some friends in here know what I'm talking about. And so anyway, uh, the Lord just really spoke to me uh on monday and and i i I was just like nobody else on the trail at this time i got there super early uh nobody else on the trail and i'm just like out loud it's so it was so refreshing too so freeing just out loud talking with the lord not caring about if the squirrels heard me or not and uh uh, just just fresh wind is all i can say fresh wind is so good so good so anyway um the, the topic of conversation, though, with the Lord centered around this verse. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. If you know anything about the book, uh, book of Proverbs, it's, it's a gathering of wise sayings from many different people. But it's just a book of wisdom, nonetheless. Um, and so as you read, some people read through Proverbs every day, Monthly. There's just enough in there where you can read a proverb every day and you can do it monthly and you gain some wisdom from it, I would say. And I'm doing something like that uh, devotionally. And come across this verse here and it, um, it really just spoke right into everything I've been thinking and, and praying about uh, recently. The Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 it says, Commit your activities. Somebody say, Commit. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. Simple. Wise saying from Solomon himself, known to be or considered to be one of the wisest man ever to live, King Solomon. I'll read it one more time. Commit your activities. Somebody say commit. Commit Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. Today I wanna talk about Trust issues. Write that down. If you're writing anything down, I want to talk about trust issues. Now, when I say issues, I'm not necessarily like uh, I, I kind of I'm using it kind of with a double meaning here. Uh, and I really the only reason I named it trust issues as opposed to like uh, trust situations or trust something like that is because uh, really funny thing. I'm gonna take this opportunity to pick on Scott just because he's. Awesome. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's actually an issue, like a 911, or if it's a praise report. He calls any circumstance an issue. So in our team meetings, he's on our leadership team, and uh, they're laughing because they know this to be true. In our team meetings, he'll be like, hey, we need to talk about these issues, and it'd be like the best thing on earth. Like, we're, we're talking about praise reports, and he's like, we need we got some issues to talk about, and everybody's like, the first time he said it, it was like issues, I didn't know it was an issue. We raised $45,000 to do ministry. This isn't an issue. And then, you know, I caught on. Oh, it's to him, an issue is just, you know, it's just, you know, a situation, right? (laughs) So, trust issues. I'm talking about trust issues today. A little bit of a double meaning. Just had to pick on Scott for a second. I love you, brother. You uh, mean the world to me and Overcome Church. Um, So, trust issues. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, let me teach you a little bit. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 can be uh, summed up or validated by uh, a command and a promise in scripture. So this wise saying from King Solomon can be summed up and validated by a command and a promise from uh, scripture. Let me give you the command first. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Anybody know it? The Bible says, so whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. That means uh, whether you're eating or whether you're drinking or whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of the Lord. That kind of sounds like something we were reading earlier as it says commit your activities to the Lord. Commit. Somebody said, Commit. Whether you're eating or you're drinking, commit. Somebody say commit. You know, I think it's quite hilarious how, you know, God could have made us like the plants. I heard this preached one time. This is not original. I heard somebody, some other preacher say it one time. But God could have done us dirty and uh, made us like the plants where we just soaked up our nutrients from the ground, right? But no, he gave us taste buds. And so we get to taste Some good food and it's enjoyable to eat. And uh, I got to thinking about why we pray before we eat. Uh, And I saw, you know, thinking about it, you know, for some of us, it's just routine. We grow up like, thank you, Lord, for our daily bread, amen. Uh, But then, like, why do we really pray before we eat? And ultimately, it's a time to pause and consider God and consider our thankfulness to Him that He has provided the ability for us to eat what we have and to have what we have and so thank the Lord for that and uh, that's in a sense what the Bible is talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do you were created to do everything for the glory of God did you know that you were created to do everything for the glory of God to the way you speak is meant to glorify God. The way you walk is meant to glorify God. The interactions that you have with people are meant to glorify God. You're meant to glorify God. The second thing I want to look at, that is the command. Here's the promise that kind of uh, brings light to this proverb we read. Romans chapter eight, verse 28, it says this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. God, who are called according to his purpose. And so here's the command that in everything that we do, we should glorify God. That's why we were created. And then the promise uh, that accompanies this command would be Romans 8, 28. We know that all things will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so in this command and promise, we see the, I guess, fruition of Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your activities and your plans will be established. Commit to the Lord and he will make your path straight. Commit to the Lord and he is going to, it sounds like another verse of scripture that I, uh, it used to be my life verse. I mean, it still is, but um, Matthew six thirty three, 33, um, it, it says, um, seek first the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things that you stand in need of will be added unto you right? It's this um and don't don't get it twisted like it's some uh uh transactional relationship with the Lord. That's not what this is. It's your devotion to the Lord, his reward to you. It's your commitment to the Lord and his um is joy over your trusting and obedience to him. That's what we're talking about today. Trust and obedience. Write that down. We're talking about trust and obedience. And so again, our verse of the day says, commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. And we know that this command to, whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing, we should do it for the glory of God. Uh, and this promise that uh that he will work all these things out for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his promise or his purpose, these two uh, make up what we're talking about today. Now, I wanna say this, trusting and obeying in the Lord are the things we're talking about today. And what better way to show the Lord that you love him than to trust him and obey him, right? Think about anybody in here have kids, anybody, or am I just the only one that has kids? Oh, okay, so I'm in good company. Now, think about your kids. Think about the relationship that you have with them. It, it, I don't know, it's satisfying when my boy can trust me, right? Like it's, it it almost feels weird if he doesn't trust me, right? And of course, there's teaching and training moments in his life where, and I'm talking about Noah, if you don't know, uh, my son. there's moments in his life where, he, okay, he's got to learn to trust me in this time. But then there's other moments where it's like, he just trusts me. Like we go out to dinner someplace. He's not worried about somebody coming into the restaurant and hurting him because why? He trusts daddy's here. Or me and him go on a hike. He's not worried about a bobcat or a bear on trail because he trusts. He ain't got to worry about that. Now me, on the other hand, I'm worrying about that. But he ain't got to worry about it because he knows that his dad is there. It's trust. And it it really brings me great joy that he trusts me and that he obeys what I say. It brings me great uh, displeasure when he does not obey what I say. It aggravates me to no end. If I tell my boy to do something and he chooses to operate within his own strength, oh wait, I may be preaching, uh, or operate within his own knowledge or what he thinks is best, whether or not the outcome came out the same way I would have wanted it or not, he chose to disobey and so it brings me great uh, like frustration and I'm like, Noah, you... Need to listen to me, and he's at the age now where he'll be like, Well, it came out okay anyway, didn't it? And then, and then I'm like, But no, it's the principle, you should have listened to me. The same is with God, the same is with God. When we trust Him, when we obey Him, He honors that because it brings Him great joy that you can trust Him, that you can, He knows that you can operate in obedience to Him. Amen. So trusting and obeying the Lord is a clear sign of your love for the Lord. And we know that he works all things out for the good of those who love him. And so loving the Lord looks like trusting and obeying him. Some of y'all, not some of y'all, never y'all, people across the nation, um, say, oh, I love the Lord, but I can't trust him. You won't say that, but your life says that. I love the Lord. Can't trust him as far as I can see him. We gotta get away from that. If you want things to work out for you uh, and your plans to be established, this is straight from scripture. If you want things to work out for you and your plans to be established in this life, trusting in the Lord and obeying his will for you is a surefire way to see that uh, come to fruition. And this is not prosperity gospel, and I'm gonna I'm I'm prove it to you how. Because when you trust and obey the Lord, and you commit, somebody say commit. Listen closely now. When you trust and obey the Lord and when you commit your activities to the Lord, your plans are no longer as selfish as they once were. Your plans organically become the will of the Lord for your life. Why wouldn't he bring those plans to fruition? Commit your activities to the Lord and he will establish your plans. Amen? Let's move forward, y'all ready? Ready? I was reading through Proverbs chapter 10 the other day, and I noticed something. These are other wise sayings from uh, King Solomon himself. I noticed that Solomon was really hitting on what we were gonna preach this week, and so I chose to note down 10 verses, and if you wanna just turn to Proverbs, I didn't give it to the guys in the back, and so don't even worry about all that. If you just wanna turn to Proverbs chapter 10, let's read through 10 verses. I just wanna read through 10 verses, and I want you to note, and if you write in your Bible, go ahead and just underline every time you hear something that's, congruent with the last verse okay all right y'all ready proverbs chapter 10 verse 3 the lord will not let the righteous go hungry but he denies the wicked what they crave verse 6 blessings are on the head of the righteous but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence verse 11 the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 16, the reward of the righteous is life. The wages of the wicked is punishment. Anything um, becoming a trend here? Proverbs 10, uh, 24, what the wicked dreads will come to him, but what the righteous desire will be given to them verse 25 When the whirlwind passes the wicked are no more but the righteous are secure forever Proverbs 10:27 The fear of the Lord prolongs life We also know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom The fear of the Lord prolongs life but the years of the wicked are cut short Verse 28 The hope of the righteous is joy but the expectation of the wicked will perish Verse 30, the righteous will never be shaken. We won't be shaken, that good song says. The righteous will never be shaken, but the wicked will not remain on the earth. And verse 31, the mouth of the righteous produces wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. These are 10 verses that I just noticed as I was reading through chapter 10, the 10th chapter of Proverbs here, uh, this collection of wise sayings from King Solomon. And I noticed one thing, I noticed that it talked a lot, these 10 verses, and there were more, but I just got these 10, um, and maybe after 10 you're convinced. Uh, There are more things to do with seeking, trusting, obeying the Lord, living a righteous life for the Lord, coming out to your favor Right? than anything else. It goes directly with what God is saying today. Trusting and obeying in the Lord will work to your favor, not because of any transactional relationship that you might have with the Father. He doesn't do transactions with humans, okay? He doesn't do that. He is sovereign God, all-powerful, mighty, and for whatever reason has mercy, grace, and love, kindness towards you and I. And for whatever reason, he chooses to reward those who will seek him first or that will commit their activities to him. Those that seek to live a righteous life, those that will take and receive The blessing, which is salvation from the Lord, from Christ, crucified on the cross. Once you accept that, when you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are now for what? It's crazy, it's miraculous. Let us never lose sight of it. But now you're labeled righteous by the Lord. And so when God the Father looks down on you, he doesn't see you and your sin and your trespasses, but yet he sees you through the lens of Christ's blood. And he sees you through that lens in the way that now you are labeled righteous. And even though you can't, you can't even understand that, God. How in, the, how in the world can Austin be labeled righteous? Oh, I know I'm just so sinful, and I know I'm so forgetful, and I'm, I know I'm so corrupt in some ways, God. I know that, God, I'm filthy. Even my righteousness is as filthy rags before you. But when you look upon me through the lens of Jesus' blood, you see righteousness. You see the righteousness of your son, Jesus. The Bible says he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow, wow. And so here I'm reading through Proverbs and I'm seeing that we kind of get this privilege to choose to obey and trust in the Lord and he rewards, he rewards. Those who trust and obey in the Lord, he rewards. It's amazing. Now I wanna be careful saying my next thing here. Because I'm not here to, I, I don't want to beat over anybody over the head. I don't want to, I'm not pointing anybody out. If this convicts you, that's between you and the Lord, okay? It surely convicted me. Uh, but I, I want to let you know that before I say what I'm about to say, I love you. I love you and I care about you and that's the only reason why I'm about to say what I'm going to say. If I did not care about you, if this was only but a mere job title and a paycheck for me, I would not mention any of this. I would preach feel-good messages on the weekly and hope to goodness you would keep your tithe up. But that's not the case here. I don't even know who tithes and who doesn't unless you tell me. I know I tithe, that's it. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's hard for me me to believe some people when they say they've heard from the Lord. Especially those that say, I've got the gift of discernment. Anybody ever said that? Don't say that ever again. Don't ever say that again. I've got the gift of discernment. First of all, that's not a spiritual gift. That is something that you, you... Grow into that's something that you learn to do to discern what is good and right, right? You don't, you God doesn't just give some wicked, sinful person this gift to discern what is good and right in the Lord, you grow into that spiritual maturity. Anyway, other than that, it's hard for me to believe some people when they say that they, and they tell me this, that they've heard from the Lord. And here's an example. Because these same people that have heard from the Lord, and again, I'm not rebuking anybody uh, specifically. I'm just saying this, um, uh, and, and, and you need to understand, you need to hear this. Because um, some people will say, these people will say in one minute that the Lord has called them to serve in the church, and the next second the Lord is releasing them. All of a sudden, and I'm talking literally in the next second from that same church, but then soon after that whole situation, for whatever reason, they gain this new revelation of God's will for them, and they were supposed to be back in that position at that church, and then inevitably, they leave or quit a week later again. Now, I'm saying this for you to understand this example. That rotation happens over and over and over again with the same people in the same churches. Newsflash, and you need to understand this, the Lord is not telling you to come and go, come and go like that. The calling of the Lord does not waver like that. God's calling on your life is not one way one second and the next, it's something else. God does not waver in his calling. You just got trust issues. Am I preaching to anybody? You just got trust issues. You have a hard time trusting that the Lord of creation is able and enough to sustain you in the places that He has placed you. And that goes for all of us. My heart is beating out of my chest because I don't want any of you to think that I'm just bashing you over the head. But this is reality. This is reality. We live in a culture with trust issues a Christian culture with trust issues. And so we bounce around from church to church to church. We never get the opportunity to really reach new people for the gospel of Christ because we're worried about bouncing from church to church to church to church. We go church shopping, church hopping, uh, and many other things that could rhyme with all that. And we do those things, right? And so churches really never gain new converts. We don't go out and seek to save that which is lost in the name of Jesus. We don't go out to reach people. You know how many people live around here? I said it the other week, about 10,000 families. You know how many are unchurched? About 7,000 of them. There's so much harvest. The laborers are few because we got tr- trust issues. We got trust issues. We're too busy hopping around from church to church to church when God wants to put us to work, to work, to work. We got to commit. Somebody say Commit. We gotta commit to the Lord. Commit your activities to the Lord, and He will establish your plans. Oh, Overcome Church has great plans to reach the people around us, but until we get on our knees and and we commit our activities to the Lord, uh, those plans won't mean a thing. Amen? And y'all are like, well, where are you at, Pastor? It ain't on me. It's on us. Amen? Some of y'all didn't wanna hear that. And I'm gonna take it, I'm at a 10, need to take it down to about a two. This condition isn't new, okay? It's, it's okay. Don't feel singled out. This condition isn't new. Look at what Paul says about himself here in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. He says, sold as a slave under sin, for I do not understand what I'm doing. Even Paul, and everybody reveres Paul as this great and mighty figure of the Bible. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He is very educated, very well-versed in um, uh, the religious customs of the day, all while still being able to reach the Gentiles. I mean, Paul was a great example. And even this great example says, hey, I'm a slave under sin. I don't even understand what I'm doing. And he rounds it up, this uh, verse 15, by saying, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. This condition, this human condition, isn't new. It isn't new. The the, the the compelling feeling to hop to a different church because it has a better program isn't new. This, this um, distrust of the Lord isn't new. This operating in fear instead of faith isn't new. Paul says, the things I want to do, referencing um, his plans to serve the Lord with his life, right, and to devote everything to the Lord and to commit, somebody say commit, to commit his activities to the Lord. He says, these things that I want to do, I don't always do them. Sometimes I find myself doing the things I hate. And there he's referencing sin. He's referencing disobedience to the Lord. He's referencing uh, distrust of the Lord. And we need to learn from this. It's amazing to me, Paul's outlook on his life with Christ, though, in just another uh, another letter to another church, he writes this, Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Paul's life was totally uh, full of ups and downs. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me, O Lord. You were in fact concerned about, uh, about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned. Somebody underline that in your Bible. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Underline that one as well. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned. Somebody say, I've learned the secret of being content. Here's the secret. Of being content, whether well fed or hungry, whether in um, abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now we've all we've all written that on our cheeks at a sporting event, or we've all uh, put that on a T-shirt. We all uh, we've all this is the most misused, or one of the most misused uh, verses of Scripture um, ever quoted. Here, I am able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we'll use that as a mantra that, hey, God is going to take what I, want him, uh, what I want to accomplish. And because Christ is the one giving me strength, I'm going to be able to accomplish uh, tackling this 357-pound um, person on the football field. And I'm only 150 soaking wet. That's how we come at this verse. And it's a little different than that. Notice what Paul was saying in the beginning. That's why I added... Or that's why I wanted to look at verse 10 up into verse 13 because here Paul says a couple things. He says two important statements here. He says, I have learned. Somebody say, I've learned. Learning being training, whether it's intentional or or experiential, it's learning, right? Whether he intentionally learned something or he just learned it through experience, he learned, right? I have learned. Somebody say, I have learned, whatever circumstances I find myself the secret to being content. Two statements there. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. When things are good, I will trust and obey. When things are amazing, when I'm on the mountaintop, I will trust and obey in the Lord. But also when things are bad, I will trust and obey too. When things are good, I'll trust and obey in every single thing I do. I will commit all my activities to the Lord. When things are bad, I'm still gonna trust and obey in everything I do. Somebody say, everything I do. When things are good, I'm gonna trust and obey in everything I do. When things are bad, I'm going to trust and obey in everything I do. Now, it sounds good to preach it from the pulpit, But how many of us actually walk in that truth or actually, is that actually reality for us? I'm ashamed to say in some cases it hasn't been reality for me. In most cases, it's easy. Here's the reality. It's easy to trust the Lord on the mountaintops. It's easy to obey the Lord on the mountaintops. It's like that, uh, yeah, all of us fixing to experience this. It's like that uh, income tax check. We've all been through this in life. It's easy to go out to the steakhouse when the income tax is hit. We got plenty of money to spend. Some of y'all are like, I gotta pay taxes. Yeah, figuring out what that's like. Um, Lord, Lord, help a brother out. <laughs> it's easy to trust the Lord on the mountaintops, but where the rubber meets the road is when somebody chooses to actually trust and obey. That's the caveat there. Trust and obey in the valleys. When things are hard, when things are tough, when it feels like you're drudging through the miry clay, right, and when things are hard and when things are scary, when faith is shaken to actually choose to trust and obey in that time, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's when you see God do the most work in your life. You want to see revival? Trust and obey in the hard time. He'll shake you up. He'll really show you what he's made of. You wanna see God real in your life. If you wanna see him move really in your life other than just an emotional feeling during a sermon or a a set of worship, which was amazing today and it's good to be emotional about what the Lord says and does. But you want more than that. You want true connection and true real experience with the Lord. You wanna see real revival spill out and pour over in this place and in your, your region. Trust and obey the Lord oh, I trust you, Lord. But if I wore a shirt that said what was true on the inside, I really don't know what it feels like to truly obey you, Lord. See, there's two, two different types of people. I love you, Lord, but I don't trust you. Or I trust you, Lord, but... Sometimes it's easier to trust myself. Lean on my own understanding. There's two important statements there that Paul makes. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. He says the secret to contentment is trust. A trust that says that Jesus is enough for the highs and the lows. Write that down. Jesus is enough for the highs and the lows. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your activities to the Lord. And your plans will be established. We need freedom in this place, church. We need freedom in a real way. You, you may not even know it. We are in desperate need of freedom from this stronghold of the enemy called doubt in this room. We are in dire need of freedom in this place. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? You're the one I'm talking to. We need freedom in this place. We are in desperate need of freedom. James 1 verse 6 says this, but let him ask in faith without doubt doubting and the bible goes on to explain why this is what doubt will do and and this is the stronghold that the enemy's got on you in this room today okay um for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind anybody ever been on a cruise and the waves are rocking that's what it's talking about there uh driven and tossed by the wind And that person, listen to what the Bible says here. This is extraordinary. But that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. That's that's the effect of doubt. And that's the main stronghold that the enemy has on you in this room. If the enemy can get you to doubt in God's goodness in the highs and the lows, if the enemy can get you to doubt that Jesus is still enough in the highs and the lows. That, ah, oh, well, I don't know. If he can get you to doubt. Doubt is like a rat. Anybody ever dealt with rats before? I have, unfortunately. Uh, and it was a war. It was a it was world war uh, at my house with these rats uh, in Georgia at one point. Um, <clears throat> and this is what I know about a rat And this is how doubt acts. A rat will chew its way in uh, little by little if he has to. I've seen these things chew through some stuff. I'm talking uh, everything Home Depot had to offer until I bought the right stuff, apparently. But a rat will chew its way little by little if he needs to into wherever he's trying to get to. And it will displace, listen closely here, it will displace everything in its way until it finds a good spot to make a bed and call it home. That's what doubt will do. That's what doubt will do. You can't expect to receive anything from God when you're full of doubt. Doubt will come in and displace faith. Doubt will come in and displace your trust. And your desire to obey the Lord. It'll set up shop. It'll harden. It'll lock the door. And it'll stay there. And it's hard to get it out. You ever tried to work on a rat infestation? Them things are relentless. And there's, just when you think you've snapped the the last one. Somebody gonna call Pete on me. Just when you think you've snapped the last one at three o'clock in the morning, there's about four or five more that come to say hello. Commit. Somebody said commit. Yeah. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit. I want to say one more thing. I think about sheep. We are just a bunch of sheep in this room. I think about sheep, and uh, you know, sheep have trust issues. They sure do. Sheep got some trust issues. And I needed a video shot, but I didn't get it. And I'm mad at my friend that didn't give me the video uh, that I needed for this illustration. But it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my, my friends, Jacqueline and Connor, Jack, you're here. Um, it's so funny. The first time I ever went over to their property, their farm or whatever, the roadage farm, I saw the sheep. And I'm like, oh, sheep, you know. Go see the sheep. And I'm running over to the fence. Mm. Hey, sheep. And the closer I get to the fence, the farther they get away from the fence. They're like, nuh-uh, who's this joker? Don't know him, don't know his voice. Who in the world is this guy? About 45 minutes later, Jacqueline comes out the house with the kid, go out to the fence, running out to the fence, calls the sheep, and the sheep come. I'm like, hold on. I was thinking about that when I was writing this message. Sheep have trust issues. Sheep have trust issues until they learn who their shepherd is. Come on, church. Uh, worship team, young, go ahead and come on up. Sheep have trust issues until they learn who their shepherd is. And then they commit. Then they commit. Somebody say, commit. Church, we need to commit to the good shepherd. We need to commit, to commit, commit. Some of you can't receive because you won't commit. You got trust issues. Commit. Maybe you're sitting in this room today and you're like, yeah, you know, that is me. I do have trust issues. That's why you haven't been operating in faith lately. That's why you haven't been seeing the Lord move in your life lately. That's why revival won't break out in your home. Because you have trust issues. This seeps into everything that we do. Commit all your activities to the Lord. And he will establish your plans. That means in the way I eat, drink, or whatever I do. The way I give. My generosity. My prayer life. The way I speak to people. Did you know your tongue is very powerful? You can speak life, but you can also speak death over people. Very powerful tool. The Bible says that it's a flame set on fire by hell. And for whatever reason, we have control of it. For some of us, I think the enemy's got control of yours, but I'm not going to call you out on it or anything. I'm just kidding. You were supposed to laugh. Commit. Some of you can't receive because you won't commit, but I think God is charging you, overcome church in this region, to commit to the Lord and see if he won't blow your mind with his reward over your obedience. He will blow your mind. So commit today, church, not to your own understanding, not to the advice of a good friend, not to that self-help book, but commit to the Lord today. He is faithful to work all things out for the good. He knows just what you need. He is our good shepherd. He is faithful. Commit. Commit to him. He leads me beside still water. He renews my soul. Makes me to lay down in green pastures. He is my good, good shepherd. He is my good, good father. He is the prince of peace. He is the power of my salvation. He is the confidence that I have to walk in this life and obey and trust. He's that two mites type of faith. You know what I'm talking about? It's that faith that that lady have, had to give that last two mites she had. I ain't even talking about generosity or giving at this point. I'm talking about the faith and the belief, the, the the amount of trust that you have to have to say, Lord, I trust that you are able to more than sustain me. And so with the little that I do have, I commit, somebody say commit. I commit it to you. Um, Church, I charge you this morning to commit all of who you are and all of what you have to the Lord and see what will break out in this place. I want to give you an opportunity to do so. As the band begins to play and as they begin to sing over you, I want you to make a move. I want you to move, I want you to come to this altar and in full humility, commit. Somebody say commit. Commit. In full humility, commit everything to the Lord and see if he won't break out. See if the spirit won't break out in this place. Love you, church.